This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcast every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9 on KUCI, 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In the early 1970s, Penny Coleman married Daniel, a young Vietnam veteran and fellow photographer. Soon, Daniel became deeply troubled, falling victim to multiple addictions and becoming strangely insecure. He suffered from what we now call PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. After Coleman left him, he committed suicide. Struggling to understand Daniel's experience, Coleman began investigating the history of PTSD and found clear cases of the disorder as far back as the Civil War. In her new book, Flashback, Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, Suicide, and the Lessons of War, she traces the experience of PTSD throughout history. Coleman is also the author of Village Elders and teaches photography and photojournalism at the International Center for Photography and at New Jersey City University. Penny Coleman, welcome to Weekly Signals. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Uh, I'm cooler. Uh, Very good. Where where are we calling you? uh, I'm uh, in New York State. New York? So it was, uh, what, in the uh, high 90s there? Uh, When? Last week? (laughs) Oh, it was way above that. Oh, really? Really nasty. Oh, my goodness. Jeez. And it's it's cooling down? That's good to hear. It's lovely now. Excellent. So can you just uh, explain uh, post-traumatic stress disorder to us, just in a a brief summary? What, what What would we be looking for? Um, I think that what, what what happens to soldiers is that instead of leaving the war, they bring it home with them. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the behavioral, some of the, the, the most common symptoms are a kind of hypervigilance, which is um, a, an emotional and, and I think neurological response to a situation that where that is more appropriate to combat than it is to wherever they are. I think flashbacks are much the same thing. You actually relive a, circ- a, a situation that you haven't managed to integrate. Um, post-traumatic stress often brings up um, unfamiliar hatreds and prejudices. People take an aggressive stance towards the world. They expect to be hurt or exploited or humiliated, and so they strike out first. So a, lot of them, a lot of them self-medicate, too. They use mm-hmm. drugs to try and escape or dull what's going on in their heads. And, and a lot of times the aggression turns inward. They can be bitter and depressed, and far too often they're suicidal. Does this start with, with fear? Do you think that's the first emotion they're reacting to? That puts uh, them I think that fear and horror are, mm-hmm. are two of the most um, immediate sources. But um, Jonathan Shea, who wrote the foreword for my book and who wrote two of the most wonderful books about post-traumatic stress and coming home after Vietnam, uh, Achilles in Vietnam and Odysseus in America, says that really what it's when what's right or there's a moral grievance. And when that's added to combat stress, the combination is what causes lasting psychological injury. To, to what to what extent does a, a, a control and control issues enter into this? I would assume that in a war situation, given the chaos and the uncertainty, and especially in a Vietnam era where you're not certain where the enemy is or isn't and all of those things, control, I imagine, would be a, 
a significant factor in all of these, too. I, I think it is. It's the same in Iraq. It's yeah. that the constancy of the terror. Yeah. And, and there's no place, really, to hide. And, and from what I understand, Iraq is actually worse on that level than, than Vietnam was. Mm-hmm. But um, in, in Vietnam, they started using, aside from the marijuana and the heroin that soldiers used, they started using um, very powerful tranquilizers. The doctors started using tranquilizers and anti-anxiety drugs. And those were great in the short run mm-hmm. if what you want are boots on the ground. But in the long run, they're the moral equivalent of giving a soldier a local anesthetic and sending, you know, for a gunshot wound and sending him back into combat. When soldiers are given those kinds of drugs while they're still experiencing the stressor, the drugs interrupt the normal development of coping mechanisms, and the long-term effects of the, of the trauma are worse, and often that what, what, um, what evolves is PTSD. And it's, maybe the doctors prescribing during the Vietnam era didn't really realize what the effects of those drugs would be over time, but the doctors in Iraq who are giving antidepressants to soldiers with no supervision, drugs that, you know, have suicide on their warning labels, hmm. when those drugs are given to kids who are experiencing stress reactions in a combat zone, it's just playing roulette with their lives. Now, is, that, uh, is that how your a former husband became involved in, in drugs and, and addiction? Um, it's... Hard to tell. I know that he wasn't, um, he, he, he certainly wasn't um, an altar boy when he was in Vietnam. Um, but one of the things that I learned talking to other women for this book was that uh, we didn't hear stories about Vietnam. Uh, the, the Vietnam was off limits. And I think that it was because they thought they were protecting us, but, but really I think they were protecting themselves. I think they wanted us to be sanctuaries safe places where they could pretend that Vietnam had never happened. And that meant we, we couldn't judge them, but neither could we try and understand. And so the trade-off was intimacy. Now, I, you've, I, hear, I mean, my dad won't talk about his experience in, in Korea, and I know that this goes, this sort of, this idea of not telling intimates about what they went through in war is not new, but I, the, what's new to me is the, the prescription of these antidepressants uh, did they do that in do you know in World War II in Korea was this was they, this new they were you? using drugs um, but I don't uh, I actually don't remember the names of them and I it, in, in the in World War II in Korea yes they were oh, yes but they, not to the extent that they're using them that they started using them in in, in Vietnam and that they're using them now in Iraq yeah um, but you're, but I guess what you're saying now they know full well yes. the, the reaction from obviously from the Vietnam veterans. What the, what the impact can be, and they still continue. Well, Did, is there an alter? I mean, what is the alternative? I mean, not that I'm, <laughs> not that I'm. I guess the alternative is not to be in a war, but I mean, yeah. what, what do you what do you have as an alternative? To uh, I, I mean, they could be a little bit more careful. Maybe the the Hartford Current ran a series of articles in May, um, exposing what is common practice in this army of of deploying soldiers in spite of serious documented mental health histories, yeah. like including, including bipolarity and, and autism. Yeah. These soldiers on their pre-deployment health forms, there's a box they can check if they've had any kind of mental health issue in the past year. Yeah. And 3% of the recruits checked that box, and 1 in 300 was given any kind of follow-up assessment. Wow. Some of these kids were on antidepressants when they were recruited, and some were given antidepressants when they attempted or, or explicitly threatened suicide. And they kept them in the, in, the, in 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 combat. That that is in part a byproduct of the fact that the recruitment for this 
yeah. of this era is gone way down. The ability yeah. to recruit, the better. I, I know that we. I mean, you, weekly there's stories about lowering of standards, not only educational standards, physical standards, standards, age standards. Age standards. Yeah. They're raising yeah. the age in which you can enlist now. And they're yeah. also camouflaging the psychological toll. I, and that's the thing that really breaks my heart. Right, um, they right. don't want to talk about psychiatric casualties, and they don't want to talk about soldier suicides. You know, there's, it's a sweet and fitting thing to die for one's country. Maybe has a certain romantic traction, but yeah. it's a sweet and fitting thing to be a psychiatric casualty or a suicide. Um, it doesn't have the same compelling glamour. Well, and it, and it does. It's in keeping with the, with the context, the greater context of of our society, which is we tend to shun people with mental illnesses anyway. In the under the best of circumstances, we tend we tend not to want to see them. Well, I think that's how they've gotten away with what I think of as an epidemic of death following Vietnam. There's been a there's a convenient confluence of of the reality that unlike Agent Orange veterans or Gulf War veterans who have never stopped pressuring the government to take responsibility for their illnesses, in the case of post combat suicides, the most logical advocates, the soldiers and the veterans themselves, are dead, and their survivors in their grief, are further burdened by a cultural taboo that blames them for not having prevented the suicide in the first place, and the military taboo that insists that soldiers who fall apart under stress, under the stress of combat are weak or cowardly. Right. So these survivors are twice shamed, and they're abandoned, and they're grieving. They're, they're going to go do their mourning in private. They're not going to go head-to-head with the military or the VA, and that, you know, that is translated into a lack of proof, and then there's an excuse to avoid taking responsibility. And then, and then of course, we underfund the VA, and, of course, it, the, uh, the VA is infamous for its bureaucratic uh, quagmire. Uh, uh, they, they, this, is, this is really stunning what's happened now. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the guy who was the head of the VA when Bush came in, uh, when we went into Iraq, he asked for more money, and not only did they turn him down, they fired him, and they handed the agency over to another one of those breathtakingly inappropriate appointees. Well, a political appointee. Yeah, this guy, his, Jim Nicholson, is, he's a real estate developer, That's and nice. his credentials include heading the Republican National Committee and, and being inva- ambassador to the, to the Vatican. Let me guess, he raised a lot of money. Yeah, and, and he has no health care experience whatsoever and no shame when it comes to submitting ridiculously inadequate budgets. And then he tries to balance these stupid budgets on the backs of the veterans. Last, last year, there were, last summer, there were 50,000 veterans waiting for a first appointment to see a doctor. And many have been waiting for six months. And, and, you know, a lot of them die waiting. Individual therapy is a thing of the past in the VA now. They have long waiting lists for the PTSD groups. And then they just admitted that for 2006, they had budgeted for fewer PTSD cases for the entire year than they treated in the last three months of 2005. Oh, my God. Oh my I mean, God. It's, it's, it's unconscionable. <laughs> let me, let me, I, 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 uh, <laughs> I want to, Penny Coleman, I just want to tell our listeners, we're speaking with Penny Coleman, flashbacks to the book, Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, Suicide, and the Lessons of War. One of their most extraordinary creative schemes last year to make up for the shortfall was to try charging veteran, uh, soldiers and veterans at Walter Reed for their lunches. Yeah. And Congress smacked them. Um, And then they tried to have the 72,100% disabled veterans go through a recertification process. These are the most fragile. Oh, my God. It was uh, one one of them that made the news killed himself with his recertification papers on his chest. 
I mean, it's 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 uh, heartless. Now, I I did read a statistic a couple of months ago that said that one out of every three returning Iraqi veterans is being uh, is applied for some kind of psychological yeah. Um, yeah. Eval- uh, treatment of some sort. One out of three. It's uh, a, it's uh, an interesting statistic um, because w- when after Vietnam, when they did that huge. Um, Vietnam Veterans Readjustment Study Mm -hmm. in 1990, the figure that they came up with was 30.9% of the veterans were suffering from post-traumatic stress. So this is very... And then they went back and, using the same criteria, studied the surviving Korean War veterans and discovered that 60 years after their service, 30% of them were suffering from post-traumatic stress. And this administration is trying to tell us that a lot less people need this kind of treatment. Yes. That's what they want us to believe based on their funding. What do you think that, is there any theory as to why it is a third of the uh, no. uh, amount? No, yeah. and, and I'm, I actually haven't heard other people put those numbers together, So, and I would love for somebody, you know, I, I want to say I'm, I'm just a widow, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I spend a lot of time doing research, yeah. but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm finding these numbers, and I'd love for somebody else to address that issue. No, it, no, I, I don't mean to say that there's nothing that they can do. Um, it, it, that's not true, that, that they can absolutely, with prompt intervention when symptoms begin, okay. they, can make, they can make a real lasting difference if they are involved in, in either group therapy or drug therapy. Um, they can learn coping techniques, and the symptoms can be much more manageable and life can be much more feasible. Mm-hmm. I, I would think that if they did intervene quickly, that over the long haul this would save the government money. That in social costs, yeah. <laughs> and instead, they are sicking these attack dogs. Like uh, there's an American Ent- Enterprise Institute scholar, Sally Sattel, who keeps publishing op-ed pieces in the Times. And, and the first one I saw, she's accusing veterans of memorizing diagnostic criteria oh before goodness. they go see a VA doctor. And the second one, she's accusing the doctors of overdiagnosing and making their patients sick. And the latest one is that Vietnam vets who are getting close to retirement or angling for ways to pad their retirement funds with disability checks. <laughs> and in fact, she has one piece right. The vast majority of vets who are getting disability compensation for PTSD now are Vietnam vets. But listen to Max Cleland, who's a triple amputee, the former senator of Georgia, I think, yes. um, who, from Vietnam, who hasn't been able to read a newspaper or watch television, and he's back at Walter Reed dealing with his PTSD, which is flared up again because of all the horrific images coming out of Iraq. It's, uh, <laughs> they march off to war, and they're heroes, and they come home, and they're malingerers. They're con artists, and they're going to ride PTSD all the way to the Big Easy, and you and I are going to pay for it. It's, you know, it's an astonishing disconnect from support the troops. Yeah, it, it is. And, but then and, this is an astonishing Well, and this is, the same administ- this is the same administration where, that had uh, soldiers buying their own body armor and, 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 uh, and having to raise money for armor for their uh, tanks and personnel carriers. So They're not allowed to do that anymore. It has, to be, it has to be a military issue. They went into their pockets and they gave parents a $1,000 one-time 
reimbursement for the body armor that they hadn't managed to buy the kids. They still haven't bought the body armor. Say that again. Say that again. The, the, mili- the government gave them... They, they actually went... They, they, they passed a law that said that nobody is allowed to use other than government issue body mm. armor. Right. And the parents who had, in their frustration, yeah. already gone into their pockets were given one-time reimbursements of $1,000. Oh, they were given the money. Okay. But but they but a lot of the kids still don't have don't have the body armor no and some of them are using you know Vietnam era body armor and some don't have any at all. It, it, are, are any of the 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 effects that the, the soldiers, particularly in in the Iraq War, are, is is any of the, how much of this is organic? I mean, we know the psychological effect of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we don't know, but I mean, you can only imagine the psychological effect of being in that situation. But I mean, to the extent that uh, the pollutants and depleted uranium are we—is that it's actually too soon to tell? And yeah. we're not going to find out unless there are independent studies done. I mean, the the, the contempt but for life don't. is just amazing. In in Vietnam, more than 17 million gallons of dioxin-based chemicals were sprayed over South Vietnam. They were our ally. Yeah at 25 times the recommended dilution. It wasn't just the defoliant we heard about. It was specifically intended to poison food and water supplies. And documents uncovered in National Archives in in the late 80s confirmed that by 1967, at the very latest, military officials knew the health risks of dioxin exposure. And there was no attempt to forewarn or protect U.S. troops or Vietnamese citizens. I I remember watching the news back in that, time, and I remember a an, an U.S. Army official who was determined to prove how how um, benign Agent Orange was, and he actually drank a bottle of it to show that... Do you, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but... Well, no, I heard the same story about Malathion, though. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that one. No, I know, but this was Agent Orange. I remember he had yeah. the fatigues on and everything else. So, you know, so, they, they use and they, they don't want to know about depleted uranium and the rest of this, do they? They encouraged soldiers in Vietnam to use Agent Orange to clear their base perimeters. They mm. used it to, they yeah. used the empty drums to store food and they rigged them for showers. They, mm. and, and, the, and our Vietnamese allies, they slept with it, they drank it in their water, they ate it in their food, and they breathed it when it dropped out of the sky. And then for the next 20 years, the government released one cravenly falsified study after another to deny veterans support. By, by 2001, there were 325,000 Vietnam, Vietnam veterans listed in the Agent Orange Health Registry. Those, those who weren't already dead were suffering from cancers and neurological diseases, and their kids were born with horrific defects. And now in Iraq, the depleted uranium that, that we're using to harden our armaments, um, the UN Commission on Human Rights has called it a weapon of mass destruction, and, and it's use, use of breach of international law. And it's causing the same illnesses and cancers and death among our own troops as among Iraqi citizens. And they don't care. Yeah. We're speaking with uh, Penny Coleman, the author of Flashback, Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, Suicide, and the Lessons of War. I was wondering, is there, is there anything that the government is doing? Is there, is there any legislation uh, that's, that's putting more funding into, uh, into at least treatment for this? In, in the last couple of days, I have heard that the senators from um, Iowa, including Tom Harkin, um, and I can't remember the name of the other one, have introduced a bill in Congress to increase research into whether or not there's a causative relationship between combat and suicide. 
that's a good thing. Well, that's yeah. a good thing, but that's that's just one small step in, <laughs> in the right direction here, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess I guess the lesson, or I mean, part of the what you're saying in your book, flashback, is that uh, the lessons of war are that many times are are. Our finest, our America's treasure, our cannon fodder here, and not being taken care of after combat is stopped. And uh, we need to be doing that. That this is critical. Public well, more importantly, we need to to end all war. Well, yeah. that's a start. Yeah. But I mean, we've got you know we talked off air about the increase in crime after the Vietnam War, and I I suspect we're we are starting to see increased crime rates here. And I think and homelessness, and they're in. We're seeing a correlation. It's certainly among the homeless population who I do have some experience with. It is amazing how many are Vietnam veterans. I mean, the percentage is just sky high. Yeah, I, I mean, I know that a lot of well-meaning Americans believe that this war is necessary and legitimate, and they disagree with me about some of the things I've been saying. But I really hope we can all agree that you know, yeah. if we send soldiers to fight in our name, we should take care of them that's, when they come home, that and is, that's not happening now. And that's not partisan. That's that's no, just that's just. No, I really don't mean it to be partisan. Yeah, and it's, it's just it's heartbreaking what's happening to these kids. And it's not well. Um, is, do you have a website, uh, Penny, or is there some? I mean, obviously I the don't. book. I'm a, <laughs> okay. I'm a dinosaur. That that's way. okay. All right, but the book. Um, we the book can is g- available through Beacon or through Amazon, okay. um, or any one of a number of, of right. online. And I and I hope it's in every bookstore. Okay, great. And we'll post it at our website too, if anyone's interested. At, so. That's thank at weeklysignals dot com. Now it's Penny Coleman. Thank you so much. The book is Flashback: Post Traumatic Stress Disorder, Suicide, and the Lessons of War. Thank you for being on Weekly Signals. Thank you, Signals. Nathan. Thank you, Mike. Here, thank take you. care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And this is Weekly Signals.